0: So the voice you're about to hear belongs to one of my closest friends and colleagues in this entire business, Dominique Foxworth. Because Dominique, who is a former NFL cornerback, has this theory, a theory that I have long wanted to discuss. Dominique loves theories, but this one is a theory about why the job he used to do is more interesting right now at this moment than it has ever been before. But because Dominique is also a true diva cornerback, he had demands about what you might call our coverage. These are the demands. Uh, The number
1: one demand is I demand that you say profuse thank you for me for All the podcasts that I put on my goddamn (laughs) back for this season. That's right. As a representative of ESPN Audio, what would you like to say to me?
0: In the words of Fred Smoot, paraphrasing, 71% of the Earth's surface is covered by water. The rest is covered by Dominique doing podcasts. That's right. I didn't hear you say thank you. Thank you.
1: One demand, check. Second demand. (laughs) I demand demand. An apology from you. For what? Representing not all of ESPN, just ESPN Daily. I'm walking the streets of New York with my AirPods in, listening to ESPN Daily. And on Martin Luther King Day, you and the ESPN Daily crew decided it was appropriate (laughs) to have Alex Smith talking about the perils of being an athletic quarterback in reference to Daniel Jones (sighs) and how the modern NFL needs an athletic quarterback. Mm. Goodness gracious. You guys white on white on King day talking about one of the blackest things, (laughs) the second blackest thing in NFL history, because the first blackest thing in NFL history is the position of cornerback. (laughs) But the second blackest thing is quarterbacks who are athletic.
0: So you can apologize and move on. I am sorry for ushering in a vision of a post-racial America that I thought we all wanted. I thought we wanted that. Stop it.
1: What you ushered in was the same thing that happened to rock and roll. Now we're done. (laughs) I'm happy that my demands have been met. Now let's begin the podcast. Y'all got music or something? Play it.
0: So you should probably know that Dominique Foxworth is not always like this. I mean, he is often precisely like this, but not always. His default state in person actually is tranquil, it's annoyingly generous, it is almost reserved. But the subject matter we're about to discuss here is a clear trigger, it is a flashback, it is an activation of a version of my friend who ran a 4240 and whose entire life. Incidentally, was devoted to violently disrupting the most meticulously engineered offensive game plans in America's biggest sport. And so today, ahead of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, full of superstar quarterbacks and all the people who obsess over them, we summon the heightened and unparalleled confidence of a cornerback who explains why what we should really be paying attention to is his position's golden age. For a Friday, January 20th, and this is ESPN Daily. So I usually try to open any given episode of this podcast by establishing some superlatives for our guest because I want to like, you know, make clear why it is that we are talking to this person on this day, Dominique. All right, I got a superlative for you. Most likely to be the dopest mother <laughs> you know. Let's get to it. Dominique Foxworth did play cornerback for three teams over seven years in the NFL, where he was elected president of the NFL Players Association, and he did go on to Harvard Business School. And now, among other things, he does host the Dominique Foxworth Show podcast, and also with yours truly, a digital show called Debatable, which is also how I would describe the title that he just tried giving himself. The superlative I actually had in mind is that you care more about cornerbacks than anyone else, probably in America, at least anyone in America that I know, Dominique. And I'm just curious if you want to explain why it is that you care about this specific job so much.
1: It's incredibly difficult. I did it at one point. I said earlier that it's the blackest thing in pro football. It might be the blackest thing in all of America. Like, there's a, a concept <laughs> I had for a long time ago, back when I used to write. I considered writing this piece about how black this position is, both literally and metaphorically. And if you look at the history of the position, the current state of the position, tell me the last time you saw a white interception. You don't know.
0: Oh, man. And hey, You know the name I'm going to say.
1: Yeah, I know you're. You're gonna say Jason Seahorn is the last Correct. white cornerback interception you saw. I guess if I say any white interception, you would you would think of some safeties,
0: sure, and Eric Weddle maybe.
1: But yeah, again, which like that position is skewing more melanotic as <laughs> as the days go on. <laughs> but the position of cornerback has been heavily melanated for quite some time, and that's the literal portion of it. Yep, the metaphorical part of it is. Everything in the game is designed for us to fail. Mm. And yet, we still overcome. And you <laughs> know what? We get small wins. There's an incomplete pass that is the fault of the quarterback. And we dancing. And y'all hate it. <laughs> we, don't, we, get, we get minor victories every now and then. So we got to dance and celebrate. Also, everything that is cool about football is from cornerbacks.
0: Uh, wide receivers, I mean, arguably cooler, but, you know, okay.
1: We do it first, we do it better, then y'all come and take it. It is also, <laughs> that is another very black experience.
0: I feel like I want to start with you, though, at the beginning, as an ally. Okay. This is the funny part of being a cornerback, right, that I actually have many questions about. It's kind of the only position that I can think of where it's like, You don't want to go there. You get stuck there. What was it like to want to do this job? And did you actually want to do this job when you were like a young kid playing football? So I wanted to be a running back. I was
1: a running back all the way through Pop Warner when we went and lost the national championship to the Winston-Salem Tiny Vikings down in Disney World. It was fun. It was great Mm. running back and safety. And those are positions that you can affect a lot. So you're the best player. You can go... And do that cornerback at that age, like, no one's throwing enough. So go to high school, same thing. Safety and running back, quarterback a little bit so you can affect a lot. And then go to college. And that's when I was being recruited by a bunch of different schools. And the deciding factor, one of the deciding factors, any school that wanted me to play anything other than cornerback, I was like, nah, I didn't want to go to those schools. I didn't tell them that. I remember going to Purdue and um, Drew Brees was my host. And mm. they did that strategically. And they were like, hey, uh, at the end of the visit, man, you'd be a really good receiver here. I, you have a lot of speed. And nope, I'm good on that.
0: <laughs> Wait, you said no. You said no to Drew Brees. You're like, I don't want to play with you. I want to play on the—I want to try and stop you in practice, actually.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, that was uh, that was the thing. So they, I never actually told them the reason why, but that was— I seriously considered going out to Michigan, in part because they wanted me to play cornerback. I was When I was being recruited, uh, I was a highly touted recruit, and I was one of the guys that they put athlete athlete next to the name, where it's like, yes. we don't know, we just know he could play. And I wanted to play cornerback, mm-hmm. in part because of how difficult it was, and also in part because it's cool as sh-
0: but hold on. What exactly made you believe that the position of cornerback, which, again, the vast majority of recruits do not really choose to play, was, in fact, cool as shit. Part of the reason why
1: I thought it was cool was because it was so damn hard. Mm. And also, cornerbacks got paid. You can't talk about cornerbacks without talking about Deion Sanders. He was the first... Person to make that position something that was attractive.
2: Has time, and his pass is intercepted. Uh oh, they're not catching oh. it down the sideline. Dion Sanders, Deion
1: Sanders. He is the godfather, frankly, of modern NFL swag.
2: You gotta look good, look good, play good, play good, pay good, pay good, live good, live good. You know, he good.
1: Just about everything. That is cool and different about the game that our guys are doing now are things that people hated about Dion. Right. Again, that's a relatable thing for us is oh, y'all think jazz is actually like drug music? Oh, now it's popping. <laughs> oh, rock and roll is not cool. Oh, that's popping. Hip hop's tearing down everything. You know what's America's greatest export? Hip hop. You know what? Cornerback. Cool as. Shit.
0: So, part of your theory here is that cornerbacks, as this cultural institution, I now understand, uh, were ahead of their time, right? Cool as. Shit. But I also know that you chose eventually to go to the University of Maryland. You ultimately got drafted in the third round in 2005, right? By the Denver Broncos. And so, when you survey your career playing corner in the NFL, what sticks out about that?
1: During my time as a cornerback, one of the more challenging parts of it was they changed the rules. I don't know. Right. We call this reconstruction. Maybe this was reconstruction. <laughs> it's like we start to get some some traction and they're like, hey, let's let's tighten up these rules a little bit. I think it was the Patriots. It's just before I got in a league. The Patriots won the Super Bowl, and the Colts were very upset because they thought the Patriots were past the five-yard contact zone.
0: Right. The allegation here was that the 2004 Patriots were illegally contacting. They were physically interfering with all of these receivers downfield, except it just wasn't getting called.
1: And so they tightened all that up, and then they got more aggressive on that. Pass interference, if you look back at pass interference calls from the 90s, early 2000s to now, yeah. they are not the same. And also, watch a game. The rule book suggests that when the ball is in the air, the offensive defense have just as much right to the ball. And the rules apply about pushing and pulling. Every single game, receivers create separation <laughs> by pushing off. But let a cornerback do that, and
0: it's pass interference. And so this era of cornerbacking, the era that you wound up playing in, I have heard you refer to this as the darkness, capital T, capital D, the dark ages, essentially, for NFL defensive backs. So, Dominique, what do you want the kids out there to know about what it used to be like when you were doing this, when you were, you know, walking uphill both ways? The one thing about darkness
1: is you don't realize how dark it is if that's all you lived in, we were born in the darkness. <laughs> Molded by it. Molded by that darkness. <laughs> so at the time, I recognized the challenges, but I did not recognize how uniquely dark it felt at that time because we were, we were in the, like the time in the offensive revolution right. when coaches are just starting to realize that, you know what? Running the ball into the line of scrimmage twice and then throwing on third down is actually not good strategy. (laughs) They were just starting to figure that out. Spread offenses are just emerging in college football. The more athletic quarterbacks are just starting to get a little bit more opportunity, which like all makes cornerbacks' lives a little bit more challenging. So while they're realizing that passing is a better way to approach this game, Mm -hmm. they're also... Loosening the rules to make it easier. Advantaging the quarterbacks. Also, you can't hit receivers across the middle, which, like, I am all for player safety. I recognize that that is a player safety decision. But it also makes my job harder because there was a time when John Lynch was playing safety and I was playing corner. And I was like, you know what I don't got to worry about? A deep end cut. (laughs) I do now because... 15 yards if you hit him.
0: All right, Dominique, after the break, I think it's time for us to, yeah, run towards the light. I need a break. I need a breather.
2: (laughs) Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: I want to actually talk about what other players who aren't you, what they think about the position because, like, within the hierarchy, of the ecosystem of an NFL locker room, Dominique, I do want you to be bluntly honest with me about what everything else is like around you cornerbacks. Like, w- how is it viewed even inside of a team? <sighs> the pressure that's on
1: cornerbacks is high. And I think what comes with that pressure is an amount of respect because there are lots of different jobs in football. and. We all, at different times, have been close enough to try to do some of those jobs. I think, hands down, there's no one that will argue that there is anything more difficult physically in football on a play-to-play
0: basis than cornerback. Again, I sort of feel like offensive linemen would beg to differ, but I suppose I digress. There are certain things that are challenging
1: about playing other positions, but physically... It seems pretty much close to unanimous that everyone knows how hard cornerback is. And and there's a certain measure of respect that comes with that. But there's also like things go wrong. People get mad and people have a lot of judgment of cornerbacks.
0: You mentioned hands down and it does feel like hands. This is the joke, right? Like you are wide receivers that can't catch. That is the joke. Oh, yeah. It's a joke. There
1: are lots of jokes. People make jokes about lots of individuals and groups. I mean, they don't mean it's true. Maybe there's a kernel there. Doesn't matter. Because you don't play corner just because you can't catch. You play corner because you're capable of doing everything that that guy does backwards while also um, <laughs> anticipating what the quarterback is doing. That's why you play cornerback. That is a good point. <laughs> if you happen to be able to catch the ball also, like, oh, yeah, if I am running a route, if I set up before the snap and they say, hey, run 10 yards and out, and I'm going to throw it to you right there. I promise you I'll be able to catch it more than not. Drew Brees thought I could. <laughs> so it's not that we don't have hands. It's that our job is to do all these other things. Catching the ball, for most of us, is like a secondary concern, and it's almost like, oh, got a good break. Catch the ball. Yes. The ability to do that is incredible. Not everyone has those level of hands or that level of anticipation. And I, I suspect that if a receiver was asked to do the same thing, they're just walking down the street, minding their business. You throw a ball <laughs> in their face, they're not going to snatch it. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to do. It's very difficult to do.
0: Well, listen, we're looking at your stats here. I am on my computer. And yes, eight interceptions career, 53 pass defenses. And what you're telling me here is that if we're just going to focus on the interceptions. We're missing a lot. The best year of my entire career
1: as a football player, I had one interception. Intercepting the ball is somewhat random. I do think that there are certain players who are incredible at it. You want to go back in time, you think of Champ Bailey. I started opposite him as a rookie. I think they threw his direction 33 times the whole season. He had eight picks. In Denver, yeah. The greatest cornerback season in the history of football. You could throw Revis's season in there also. I'm fine yeah. with including them. We as cornerbacks, we don't need to fight. We're all great. <laughs> Richard Sherman, he also had some great years. We're all the greatest of all time. We are used to dealing with you all hating on us, so we will
0: band together. But the greatest cornerbacks that you're talking about here, the Hall of Famers you just mentioned, What do they actually do so well? Like, what would you say is the single most difficult part about playing the position? The most difficult thing about playing
1: cornerback is not playing good defense. It's playing good defense every single down and not being able to take a break. And there's Hmm. pressure on you and there's expectations of you on every single play. And the receivers go out and get a breather and then come back and run a go route. I actually have been in many a games where they have receivers. Their only purpose is to go out there and be fast as hell and run down the field and wear you out so that then the, the other receiver comes back in fresh after you just ran two back-to-back go routes where there was no ball thrown your direction. And so that's the tough part is you're running down the field and it's a run, but you're running as hard as you can because you don't know that the receiver is just <laughs> decoying you on
0: this play. I hadn't thought about it like that. And then – Again, next play. You're running as hard as you can yeah. no matter what because that one time you, say, you guess you might be wrong and the game might be over. That's all it is. And then
1: to your point, you can have the greatest game of your life for every single play. And part of that is like it goes unnoticed sometimes. Mm. It's your coverage is, is such that the quarterback decides to throw somewhere else. You can do that. And then say it's third and six. It's a key down. This is the down you need to stop to keep them out of field goal range. And they catch it on you.
0: <sighs> they blaming you. It's your fault. Yep. It's yep. your fault. You're in the screen cap, though, Dominique. You're in the photo. That's yeah. it. You're there, frozen for all time as, as a failure on that play.
1: It's even worse when what if it ain't your fault? If we are just the closest guy there and they blame it on us, that does not mean it's our fault. Like there are football complexities. What if you are playing the leverage that they ask you to play, but the quarterback squeeze it in there before the help could get there? Because There's no perfect coverage. The fact of the matter is the guy who makes the tackle or the guy who's closest to the play oftentimes is the cornerback. Doesn't mean it's on him. This is the life of a cornerback.
0: And so this is the reason why we really invited you onto the show today. Not to yell at me repeatedly, although obviously in our friendship, I enjoy perversely that. The reason I asked you to come on, though, is because you have this theory. You have a theory that developed in your mind, it seems, while you were watching the NFL this season in specific. What jumped out at you as you were watching when you are grinding all of this tape?
1: These cornerbacks in modern football are better than they've ever been. I think we have entered a golden age of cornerback play because we've had an extended period of time where the game has been the same. There have not been rule changes. There have not been significant shifts in strategy that changed the way the game is being played. While I was playing football, the back shoulder fade, that came to
0: be while I was playing. And that meant what to you? Why was the back shoulder fade also one of these big midstream developments that suddenly changed how a cornerback in specific had to do his job? The back shoulder fade is tough,
1: particularly when you're in press coverage. Let's say you're in man, just straight man. You got a deep middle safety. You want to play inside leverage initially, take away the slant. Once you are confident that he isn't running the slant, you're then like, all right, we're at the five yard hitch area, or we got a stick route, which is like stop at the sticks type of things. These are the things you're watching for. Once they get past both of those areas, then you're like, oh, we're in go territory. Now it's sprint time. Mm. And so what they did was like, okay, I'm going to overrun you. And one of the techniques that was being taught was to cut them off. Was if you were in good enough position and you were fast enough, squeeze them to the sideline, look back, get in front of them.
0: Like to take their lane almost,
1: like in a race. Yeah, essentially. I'm not a big guy. My greatest attribute was like straight line speed and athleticism. Check out my combine numbers. Killed it and all of that. Yeah, four twos. So once I got there, I was running and then I was happy. I was like, oh this is what I do. This is what I want to do. But then they would throw it just behind your ear.
2: <laughs> so now
1: it like it's almost like a judo move in that it uses what you do best against you. And mm. so if you're a slow corner, fine. They're going to run by you. If you're a fast corner, we're going to back shoulder you. It's a tough spot to be in, and at the time it was not something I grew up covering. So I would have to decide Either I'm going to take away the deep route or I'm going to take away the back shoulder. And I would never take away the back shoulder because a deep route is a touchdown. A back shoulder is, all right, we
0: get another day to play. And this is all in how many seconds are you doing this calculation? Well, I mean,
1: uh, time to throw is between two and three seconds. <laughs>
2: is the time,
1: time to throw in a football game. So all this is happening in fractions of a second.
0: So when you return, just, yes, a couple seconds from now, I have more questions about the modern cornerback and how much slower all of these young people are making you feel.
2: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom. Well, the good news is, not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to
0: learn more. So it does occur to me that whenever we hear an older athlete talk about the younger generation, and at 39, Dominique, you do qualify as old, obviously, um, we often hear diminishment, not elevation, right? We hear about all of the ways that the job is now easier. And we did hear some of those, by the way, in the last segment. But more than that, from you, what I'm getting is that you're actually kind of blown away by all of this, all of these kids. And so in terms of skill... What is today's generation of defensive back doing better than yours?
1: What I'm seeing from these guys is they are showing this like kind of side saddle run that allows them to play back on the back shoulder and also cover the deep go route, which is almost impossible. Because imagine that you have to do like a crossover run with an NFL level receiver (laughs) and stay at the same pace, and also read his body language well enough to know whether he's going to stop or he's going to run straight. And then once you determine what it is, you have to get out of your side saddle either one way or the other and make a play. As enthusiastic as I am watching this, I can't lie. I'm watching it as a little bit of like embarrassment because <laughs> I remember what I looked like playing corner in my peers. It wasn't just me. I remember <laughs> as the game was changing, how difficult it was. So like, I feel like how Bob Pettit must felt when he first saw Giannis on the court. Cause this <laughs> is this, this,
0: the evolution. But wait, give me, give me the people, the young guys that you watch today. And you're like, this fills me with an emotion that, is obviously both deep-seated and also maybe a little complicated, given that they're doing stuff in ways that you, as you just said, never actually could. No complications whatsoever.
1: We're not crabs in a barrel over here in cornerback country. We lift up. We understand that they stand on our backs, and we're fine with it. I'm proud <laughs> of Sauce. Seen
2: Allen, the throw intercepted! picked off by Sauce Gardner. Wow.
1: I love Patrick Sertan, Jair Alexander, Asante Samuel. Damn, boy.
2: Oh, my goodness. The third interception for Asante Samuel Jr.
1: I was so happy for you. I don't care if your team lost. Great day of football. Jack Jones, outstanding. He's picked. And
2: this is going to the house. Jack Jones with the pick six.
1: I love it. Like, I saw Traverius Ward have a battle last week with DK Metcalf. He won some, he lost some. But that's a that's a good day for a cornerback. And the floor for cornerbacks now in the NFL is so much higher than it was for us mm. back then. And I, I, I mean, I can keep going with guys. Trayvon Diggs, incredible yeah. ball skills. I love them all.
0: So I actually want to do a little uh, business school case study here. Dominique, on Trayvon Diggs in specific, the ball hawk for the Cowboys, the star cornerback who does collect a lot of interceptions because I'm trying to prepare for this weekend and I just want to understand what his job is going to be against this wildly efficient Niners offense that looks like it has every possible weapon to use against him. For Trayvon Diggs, I think that his
1: job this week is going to be to tackle. And watching that game, and I know you're surprised by this, is like, this is one of the things about Being a cornerback is you're out there isolated. So whatever you're doing poorly or whatever shortcomings you have, there's no hiding you. In watching last week's game, what I saw from Trayvon Diggs was something that suggests that Kyle Shanahan is going to do a lot of crack toss. Explain what crack tossing is. Okay, so, yeah, the um, receiver who you are guarding goes down to block the safety or the linebacker. What that requires of the cornerback is to replace. So whoever he blocks, you then have to take their responsibility. Kyle Shanahan is going to try to force Trayvon Diggs into some physical action, which he's shown an ability to be fine with that. He's a big, strong guy. But last week, he looked like he didn't want to do it, which I fully appreciate and respect. I mean,
0: I am now realizing that Trayvon Diggs is going to have to tackle Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel, who's a running back playing receiver, essentially, oh, yeah. or Elijah Mitchell in space, which feels like about as hard as it could possibly get when it comes to this specific assignment of crack tossing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's as hard as it can get, but it's easier than covering a receiver all over the field. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so incentive-wise, financially speaking now, right? Where are the salaries here relative to merit? What is the market for a cornerback like? How has that changed, Dominique? Because you describe a job that is now harder than it's ever been, done by people who are more talented and better trained than they've ever been.
1: It's also like more important than it's ever been. The value of a cornerback is more appreciated and more impactful, in my view, than any other position on defense if there was a position that you could pick one person to be all pro, like you're building a defense. Mm -hmm. The first all pro you should select is a cornerback.
0: But here's the counter argument, right? The counter argument is the argument that the market has actually made, which is that the edge rusher actually is the guy who's paid the most. The edge rusher is the guy who can help make life easier for the cornerback. No, like why isn't the edge rusher the answer to this question?
1: The edge rusher can make life easier for the cornerback, but the edge rusher can be schemed out in a way that cornerbacks cannot be. You can slide your line to a dominant pass rusher. You can double team a dominant pass rusher. But if you have a corner that does not require any help, that frees people up. What the market suggests, as you fully recognize, there's no such thing as a truly free market. The market's mm. choices are influenced by a lot of other factors
0: other than the merit. What you're saying is that the lobbyists for edge rushers, they have won the war of messaging. And this is what you're trying to fix right now.
1: I'm not trying to fix anything. I'm in this world just living, being happy and trying (laughs) to point you guys in the right direction. I would never say that edge rushers don't deserve their money. Get that money. I think part of the reason is there are a larger number of impactful edge rushers because the job is easier.
0: So I do realize now that the direction you are pointing us in, Dominique, at the very end here is that quarterbacks have the hardest job in this sport. And so we should celebrate cornerbacks just like you cornerbacks celebrate when a wide receiver drops a wide open pass that they were not actually responsible for preventing.
1: This is tied to the great man theory that is infecting a lot of this country that ruins so many people in so many perspectives. Most of the good shit that happened to you in your life, you ain't responsible for. (laughs) You still celebrate it. Like you got married to the love of your life. You think that that's because you went out on some long search? and found her no you got lucky and she found you and she said yes I really did. and and you danced at that damn wedding you got a job at a company that you like because bill o'reilly wanted somebody to talk to and everyone was <laughs> at the olympics you were happiest you called your mommy oh. and your daddy and you're like hey guys I'm we, did be on live, TV Mom, we did it live tonight. We did it live, and you, you, you fucking celebrated, it, Pablo. It's okay to celebrate when good things happen, even if you're not responsible for them. So if a ball bounces off receiver's hands, you're damn right I'm tootsie rolling, cabbage patching, grittying, Harlem shaking.
0: Damn right, Dominique Foxworth, my friend. Preacher, uh, noted asshole, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Proud of it. Thank you for celebrating all over this podcast. See you later. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And our show is produced by Bradford Craig, Alexander Hyacinth, Mike Johns, Heather Lombardo, Ryan Nantel, Mike Philbrick, Andre Soto, Andy Tennant, Andy, we are thinking of you and your family, Chris Tumanello, and Aaron Vale. Special thanks this week to Max Brodsky, Deontay Epps, Garrett Lang, and Jackson Angelo. I'll talk to you Monday.